everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Journey of Hope. Glad you could be with us today. The Journey of Hope is a podcast that's especially designed to address the issues that men and women face after incarceration. On the podcast today, we're going to be hitting that familiar topic of overcoming adversity, and we're going to talk to Steve Borries about that. I think you're going to enjoy this. You want to check back right after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on The Journey of Hope. And you can always catch me at MathersRodney at Yahoo.com. Got an idea for a show or a guest? Let me know. And let me know how you're doing. Welcome back. My guest today is Steve Morris. Steve's going to talk a little bit with us about how to overcome some adversity. He's got a book out called How to Beat Stalin, Hitler, and Southern State Parkway. And we're going to find out about what, what all that means. Steve, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. No, not a problem. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a teacher and coach for the last 25 years. And uh, I recently just wrote this book uh, over the pandemic uh, as a way to try to give back and help. Um, I saw a lot of people struggling and uh, with depression and uh, and heart heartache and uh, you know so many problems. And uh, I thought this would be a way uh, I could try to help and get people uh, to have hope and get them back in the fight and uh, believe that they too can have a a great life. Okay. Are you so you you are currently coaching? You're not just a co- a life coach now. You're uh... yeah, I, I coach uh, football, track. Uh, I've coached, uh, been coaching my whole life. I coached Steve before in my previous life. Before I ended up in prison, I coached for uh, my wife and I were talking about it this morning. I think it was 17 years. She said it was 19, but anyway. Um, coach football and track myself and I love coaching track because I just told the kids keep turning left just just keep turning <laughs> left and you'll get there um, I knew absolutely nothing about track and they said hey guess what you're the track coach but I coached middle school you're coaching high school yeah okay yeah <clears throat> um I really I really could just do a whole show just chatting with a former teacher. But let's talk about your advert. What was the adversity that you experienced that kind of, you know, set you up for writing a book like this? Sure. Um, Growing up uh, as a kid out on Long Island, uh, Long Island, New York, right off uh, New York City in the suburbs there, um, uh, we had left the Bronx uh, my family and, uh, to, uh, you know, start having the American dream. We had a nice little house, quarter acre lot. And, uh, you know, things were going great until I was about five years old. And my father was killed in a car wreck on the Southern state parkway, uh, driving his mother home, uh, one morning. And that kind of just set a downward spiral for me. I never got over his death. Uh, growing up, I was, uh, learning disabled school didn't make sense. I was flunking out. Uh, I was being bullied um, 
by everybody you could imagine, teachers, kids. And by the time I got to middle school, I was really looking into the abyss. Uh, I didn't have any hope. I didn't want to get out of bed anymore. I saw no point in going on, if you know what I'm saying. And that's when my mother, you know, saw saw the danger. And we always had these midnight chats. We both had insomnia. And we'd wind up meeting at the kitchen table. She'd always be smoking her Parliament cigarettes and sipping coffee. Even though it was midnight, she didn't care. And uh, I was there, you know, racked with stress and anxiety. And we uh, started having conversations. And, you know, like a mom, she'd always encourage you, right? Hey, you're beautiful. It's going to be okay, you know. But you don't believe your mom, right? You know, she's supposed to say those things. And uh, finally, to make a breakthrough she said you know you're not the only person who's had struggles in their life uh there's been other people in your family who's had hard times and i go what are you talking about and she goes let me tell you about your ukrainian grandmother your your babcha that's the ukrainian word for for grandma babcha uh, let me tell you about babcha eva uh, and i go okay what, what's so great about her I barely knew her. She died too when I was five. And uh, I only knew her as the lady, the nice lady who made apple strudel, right? You know, as a chubby kid, I identified. This was your mother's mother? It was my father's mother. Your father's mother. And uh, I go, okay, what did she do that was so great? And uh, she said, well, she was basically a superhero. I go, superhero? What are you talking about? And uh, she started telling me the story. And the story was when she was a girl growing up in Ukraine, uh, her and her family were victims of Stalin's Holodomor, or Great Hunger. Uh, it was the Ukrainian genocide. And to force the Ukrainians into the communist collective farms, he starved uh, millions of people to death. And she was in the middle of that. And I, I never heard about this before. I, I couldn't get my head around it. Many people don't. And they had to do unspeakable things to survive. You know, eat the most unthinkable things. And the way they got through it was that they stayed together as a family. Mm -hmm. They had faith that one day the family would be prosperous again. Uh, maybe not them. Maybe it was uh, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was how they were going to overcome and, and get, you know, revenge, so to say, mm -hmm. uh, was that, they were going to have faith and hope and not let this horrible event destroy the family. Um, and they survived. Not all of them. Some of them passed away tragically, but they got through based on this amazing faith and uh, belief. And just when things were starting to turn around, Hitler was now master of Germany. And he unleashes an invasion of uh, the Soviet Union and Ukraine and her family is immediately captured. She's separated from her family, never sees another relative again, wow. and made made to work as a slave for Hitler for the rest of the war. Wow. And I'm, when my mom's talking, I'm like, what are you talking about? She was a slave. You know, you, you don't think about <laughs> that. Uh, it's, it was, uh, you know, just completely jarring. And she's like, yeah, she was captured and never saw, you know. And when she got to the camp, to the work camp, she was alone, terrified, beautiful teenage girl, and the old ladies in the camp uh, came and had mercy on her. They came and they took her in as one of their own. 
day saw uh, her as a beautiful girl and that that was not a good thing when you're surrounded by German prison guards. And they put a bushka on her to make her look older and made her stoop down. And they actually smeared her with uh, animal feces uh, to make her smell bad to scare away the guards. Um, and all throughout the camp, these older women, they took great care of her. Not because they had to, but because it was the right thing to do. You understand what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. they could have gotten in trouble, especially when uh, my babcha, she met, she met her husband in the camp. Really? They got, uh, yeah, they got, uh, you know, they fell in love. Uh, she had my father. My father was born in the camp. And they took care of her. Even when it meant it could have cost them their lives, mm -hmm. they did the right thing. And before you know it, Hitler commits suicide. Mm -hmm. The war's over. And she survived. She beat two dictators. <laughs> she sure did. Um, they get to America. You know, there's a whole bunch of other, you know, that's why you got to read the book. There's a bunch of other crazy things that happen. But by the time she passes away, she owned her own home. She had a small business. Uh, she had met four grandchildren. Wonderful. And, and had set them up, you know, me, and so that they, we could have a, a great life here in America. And, you know, and, and that was uh, my inspiration to get up, get back in the fight, and, and not just let life push me around. Wow. I like it. Um, Steve, I got a degree in history, and I, I'm just – in the past couple of weeks, becoming aware of some of this Ukrainian history, I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I might have had a general idea, but nothing like what you're telling me. And um, it, it is very inspiring. And so you took this story and used it. It's kind of the wind beneath your wings to pick yourself up and tell us. So you were just a child when you started to uh, – be inspired by this is that right yeah i was a uh, middle school mm -hmm. uh, about 12 13 years old mm -hmm. and you know this is a great story right they're pumped sure. up right you know so my mom was a great motivational speaker and uh mm -hmm. okay well how do you actualize that okay i still didn't know what the hell to do mm -hmm. um but my mom uh pushed me towards football she says you got to go play football and it was on that football field where I learned how to actualize, how to, how to actually become a, a, a productive person, a successful person. Uh, and it was all thanks to those coaches and other players who uh, taught me all these great life lessons. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and when I first started to play, I was terrible. I was out of shape. You know, I didn't know the game from anything. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they made us do was run a lap all around the field. <laughs> And being a chubby kid, you know, it looked like the Boston Marathon. I, I mean, my goodness. Um, but our captain, this kid Jason, you know, grabbed me and ran the whole thing with me. Mm -hmm. And he says, you're not going to quit. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, from a kid who, who, you know, was just getting bullied his whole life. Now I was getting love and support. And what our football team had, and many others have a very similar thing, uh, we had a, a, a motto. It was called Brothers Forever that once you joined, you were part of a family mm -hmm. and we were going to take care of you. And let me tell you, that is what saved my life was that having this family and learning how to be successful, you know, changed my entire world. 
Well, let me let me just play devil's advocate here for a minute, Steve. I, were were there missteps along the way? People that listen to this podcast would be interested in if um, you ever slipped and and how you picked yourself back up. Could you talk a little bit about that? Did that happen to you? Maybe it didn't. No, sure. Um, you know, we had um, just uh, my mom and I. We were setting goals. And we were on track, and my mom made these crazy goals. You know, you're going to go to college, you're going to get married, you know, you're going to get a scholarship, you know, you're going to have a great family. And if you looked at me at that time, it would be preposterous. You know, it was it was crazy. And sure enough, uh, by the time I got to high school, my junior year, we were about to do it. We were getting to the finish line. Mm-hmm. I was getting awards, I was getting recruited, and just by the end of my junior year. My principal calls me into the office. You know, I think I'm in trouble, right? I think uh, something bad. And he's like, Steve, I'm sorry, but your mom was just killed in a car wreck. Oh, my God. And that's when you come to the next crossroad. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do when the roof cla- cr- crashes in again? How did you pick yourself up from that? It was my community. Mm-hmm. It was the Brothers Forever. It was teachers. It was people caring when they didn't have to. Just like my babcha had those women in the camp step up um, and not let you fail. You know, um, I remember one buddy, I went to a party once and, uh, you know, we walk in and he gets mad at me for being at the party. I go, what are, you, what are you mad about? I'm at a high school party. He's like, well, you're going to drink. And I'm like, I don't drink. What are you talking about? And he was actually drunk. And he's like, we're not going to let you get depressed, start drinking, start doing drugs. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he was like being my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my same age. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, and it was not feeling, oh, I don't want to tell you what to do. They were there, you know, uh, whether to give you a ride someplace cook your dinner or to, you know, kick your ass when you needed it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but what you also have to understand is you have to be willing to accept that help. Right. Um, and, and too often there's, there's help out there, but people get too overwhelmed. They don't want to see it. They well, can't, let, they can't let me interrupt it. you right there, Steve. Let me ask you yeah. at a young age, did you realize that you needed help? It's tough. Um, it's tough because you, you, you go back and forth between being hopeless, you know, and helpless and, and not feeling you have control over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was many times I just wanted to quit and roll over and die. But what got me through was these great people in the community who just wouldn't let that happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it was people you might expect and people you don't expect. Would you have some advice for people that I I totally agree that, you know, it's hard to do without support and, you know, the whole concept. Listen, I've got nine grandchildren and I insist that all of them. Huh? God bless you. (laughs) 
but I insist that all of them uh, play a team sport for at least a couple of years, you know, because I think that they should learn what that is. It's not just about whatever, you know, soccer or whatever the sport is. It's about the other things that go on on the team, in my view. And mm-hmm. um, and having coached football for, for several years, I, I can tell you that's been my experience. But not everybody has um, – that kind of community support or even a lot of family support. And, and I think that's where we run into problems. And I know that you had a lot of support, but you know, just, I I hate to put you on the spot here, but what would be your suggestion for people that don't have that kind of support? How would you um, address them today? Uh, You got to find it. You know, there there are a lot of programs out there. Right. There's a lot of people who want to help uh, in communities, religious organizations, going to a psychiatrist. So generally, there there are things available for people out there if they search for them. I think you have to have the impetus, though, to search for them. And I think you're exactly right that there is the support is out there if you look for it. Steve, I'm curious um, – how did you come to the decision? Okay, I'm going to sit down and write this book. I know you said it was during the pandemic. Was it was it just out of boredom from being locked down, or <laughs> how, how did you come to the decision to write the book? You know, I was kicking it around for for several years, um, but you know, it gave me I had the time, you know, because we we were locked down. There was not much else to do. Right. Um, but I I really you know saw. So what my own kids were going through, um, mm-hmm. my kids are teenagers. Mm-hmm. I saw what, you know, my wife and family members and, you know, then I just saw all the uh, anger and hostility on social media mm-hmm. with uh, people who, you know, some, some people who actually saved me um, were now arguing and fighting and, you know, and I'm like, what in the world are we doing? Um, we kind of forgot all that love. And, you know, the answer to all of our problems and questions is love. And the the anger and I think a lot of our problems that we have today is a lack of love, is a lack of understanding, is a lack of people being heard or respected, uh, that they just don't feel they're part of a community anymore. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this, you know, as a message to the folks that, hey, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, the differences that we perceive, you know, are kind of a lot of them are BS, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Uh, we have so much more in common than we don't. And, you know, like sports, you see people from every race, ethnicity, religion can come together on a football field and do great things. That's right. That's right. Why can't we do that all the time? What a great question. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a there's a ready answer, but you have taken a stab at it, and I certainly appreciate the effort. This looks like a great book. I haven't read the book, but it looks like a good one. Everything I see about it looks very interesting. The story and the inspiration looks very interesting to me. How would people get the book? How do they get it? Just go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. And you can dig it up real quick. Just type it into the search box there. And, uh, you know, you can get it right on Kindle and you can start reading it within seconds. 
Steve Boris is my guest today. How to beat Stalin, Hitler, and the Southern State Parkway. Steve, a lot of good information. Thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on the Journey of Hope. you're doing out there, how your reintegration is going. Mathers Rodney at Yahoo.com. I want to thank my special guest, Stephen Boyers, and I want to remind you that if God is for you, who can be against you? We'll see you next time right here on The Journey. 